Good morning and welcome. March Madness is here. Patriot Radio News Hour. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. Legal, lawful, constitutional tender. Something that has been money. Well, since they invented money. It never goes to zero. We like to call it wealth insurance. Gold and silver, it is what we do. You better make sure you get you some. Our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. The website at allamericangold.com. And we got it all out there. Uh, pictures from our last event, uh, our Facebook and our Twitter and our YouTube. Make sure you hit all the buttons. I don't know why it's important, but Ramon tells me that it's important. So you you like us or friend us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on YouTube, because you never know what we are going to do next. Uh, but we are getting ready for the next 22 years. That is how long we have been doing this. Uh, all kinds of great information, of course, out at the website, all the news, the articles, the videos, uh, the social media stuff, the medals programs, IRAs. If you're looking to do uh, a physical precious metals IRA, call us. We can help you. I will tell you, and i, I got to do a better job of reminding because you know what? I just I happen to see it again today. If you're online at all, you see these sponsored articles about IRS loopholes and storing your gold legally at home through an IRA. None of that's true. Don't do it. It's not legal. Matter of fact, the IRS actually added, like we needed stuff to be added to the tax code, added a piece specifically about the quote-unquote home storage IRA and that it's not legal. So so I know it's... Listen, obviously, if it was legal, we would, we would tell everybody to do it, right? Why not? Why would you store it over in a depository in Delaware when you can store it? But you can't. Uh, so, so I just wanted to say that because it just crossed my mind because cause, uh, it, it popped up on my screen today, uh, it, it, but, it, but you can't do it. So, But if you want to do a legal where we won't run into any IRS issues uh, with an IRA and put it into gold and silver, uh, we can help you do that. Just give us a call, 800-951-0592. Another triple-digit day. <laughs> Every day's a triple-digit day. Uh, today, at least for right now, I know it's early, uh, but the Dow's up about 200 points. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes throughout the rest of the day. We've got a pullback in gold and silver. Or, uh, gold's down nine bucks. Good buying opportunity. Matter of fact, I've got a good little special coming for you to take advantage of it. Thirteen seventeen. Uh, silver is down as well, about twelve cents at sixteen forty. And you know that I love to hate silver, but I just love it. You got to have some. It's a. Oh, it, just the, the you know the gold silver ratio i've talked a lot about it it's still above 80 uh make sure you keep add just, just throw some silver in that portfolio keep doing it uh the the reward it, it's just the you know when you think about uh buying low and selling high this is the buying low part uh so we'll talk a little more about that 
uh, when we get to it. So big news today. Uh, we'll get through it real quick. Uh, Toys R Us done. All of their U.S. stores are going. It looks like they're going to liquidate. Uh, they had almost a thousand stores. They were going to close 180 of them. Now they're going to close them all. Uh, so all the Toys R Us, and that includes Babies R Us and anything R Us. I don't know. <laughs> I know they got Toys R Us and Babies R Us, but anything R Us uh, closing down here in the United States. I think they said something like 33,000 people. Uh, working just at the Toys R Us side of things. Uh, a lot more empty buildings coming to a city near you. iHeartRadio, uh, the largest radio company in the country, filed for bankruptcy today. That's not a liquidation, uh, but they did file for bankruptcy uh, protection today as well. Uh, but the news that most people are talking about, Larry Kudlow, as re, is going to replace uh, Cone as the uh, I, I don't know what the I guess the official title the National Economic Council Director uh, for the the Trump White House and he's the guy that's been on TV he's a, he's a TV commentator apparently that qualifies you to be the National Economic uh, Council Director. By being a commentator on TV, he did serve, in, to be fair, he did serve in the Reagan White House, but he was on the uh, budget committee. He wasn't even a director, but he served on the, the budget committee. And, and I will say this, because I've told you all, I, I think Larry Kudlow's a clown. He, he, that's just my opinion. Other people, you know what I heard today, right? how great of a guy he is. I'm sure he's a great guy. Listen, I'd like to think I'm a great guy. Now, most people that know me would argue that, but, you know, people think, you know, that everybody's a great guy. And all his buddies on the TV are all happy for him. That's wonderful. But I'll just give you a little Larry Kudlow track history. Do you know why he left the Reagan White House? Because I, I was watching. And I knew they weren't going to say it. But that's why you listen to because I'll tell you the rest of the story. I'm going to tell you why he left the Reagan White House. And then I'll also read to you some of the things he was telling all the viewers back in the day. Patriot Radio News Hour. Don't touch that dot. March Madness. Everybody got their brackets filled out. Uh, I'll say this. Before we get into other things, and we'll get to Larry here in a second, I've got these uh, a group of friends, and I love my friends because I got the best friends in the world because they understand that I'm an a-hole and they are okay with it. And we 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 meet. Uh, we met uh, this week on Monday. One of our buddies, he is a a spreadsheet expert. I mean, it's incredible what he can do with an Excel spreadsheet. And, and you know, you got certain friends that are good for, for certain tasks. And he enjoys being the he, – he keeps track uh, of how everybody's doing, and, and we do it all, and we, and we do it a little differently. We all put $40 in, and then he – 
He has every team that's in the tournament, and you put them in a cup, and you pull the team out, and it's like an auction. You can't spend more than $40, and you buy teams. You know, and whatever, it's a random, you just pull out a random team, and, and you pay, and, and at the end, everybody's got X amount of teams represented, and there's a point system, and it's all, but, you know, like a true spreadsheet wizard, it's super complicated. You know, if a uh, uh, the, uh, if you have a higher seed and they win a lot, you get a lot more points than if you had a one seed that was winning. Anyway, long story short, we did this on Monday, and it was a great time. And I learned a new game. And, I'm, and, and again, you never know what I'm going to say, but part of why you listen here is because you'll hear things nobody else, you know, talks about. And this is a warning to to all of you out there. It was called Credit Card Roulette. And so it was the end of the night, and uh, one of our buddies stands up, everyone get your credit card out. And then I was like, okay, well, I guess, you know, we're going to chop up the bill, you know, so I get mine out. And next thing you know, all of our credit cards are in this bucket. And Credit Card Roulette was, hey, whoever's card gets pulled out, you're the guy that gets stuck with the tab. I mean, there was like nine of us there. I mean, it was it was a big tab. Yeah, guess who got stuck with it? Yeah, this guy. Yeah. So, a word to wise all of you out there: if you and your if your buddies want to play credit card roulette, pass on that. You know, and then of course, uh, one of the guys actually did the the odds of you getting your card pulled out. And it was, I think it was like 12%. And, of course, you know, I'm the, uh, that's how lucky I am. So, uh, yeah, word to the wise, if you're doing your March Madness pools, don't fall for the credit card roulette. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, anyway, let's just say it cost me. But, as most of you know, I am a die hard. I'm born and raised in Syracuse. Uh, home of Syracuse University, uh, which used to be the Orange Man. Now we're just the Orange uh, because the Indian mascot was not politically correct. Uh, but nonetheless, now we have a mascot that's an orange. Right? There's no orange fields in Syracuse. Uh, but but nonetheless, either way, I loved that. I went to games with my dad most of my childhood. Until we we didn't move out of there. I was 13 when we moved, but I mean, I went to them all. I remember when they built the Carrier Dome. Heck, I remember uh, Carrier uh, Air Conditioning. They, they were they took up like two city blocks in Syracuse, and they had to play ASU last night. And and I like ASU. I, you know, I live here, and then you know, Bobby Hurley. I actually know Bobby. That's actually pretty funny. I know Bobby Hurley, and, and his son and my son go to school together. Played on the same basketball team. And uh, you know what? Syracuse won. So I, I I was fortunate enough that some of these same friends, they were ASU homers, so I took a bet. I placed a little wager on the Cuse last night, uh, helped offset my losses on credit card roulette, uh, but anyway, I wanted to share that with you because I thought it was important. If I, I'd never heard of that game. <laughs> and let me tell you, uh, beginner's luck right here. Yeah, I was real lucky. So anyway, Larry Kudlow, 
the new top economic advisor to the Donald. And you know what's funny is I did some research on this job because I knew that uh, Gary Cohn, who was the guy that had it before, he was the number two guy at Goldman Sachs. And so you would be like, okay, we went from the number two guy at Goldman Sachs, who, remember, resigned. Uh, by the way, he was the one that got the great tax cut for the businesses. Right? Not so much for us, but for them. He resigned because he was unhappy with the tariffs. Right? Because, you know, let's face it, apparently uh, Gary Cohen doesn't mind the United States being taken advantage of. But this was a position that was created by Bill Clinton. I didn't know that. So in 1993, so we haven't had uh, that many uh, national economic advisors or directors or whatever you want to call them. This is a position uh, that just started in 1993, and they're supposed to, uh, I guess, the the official description. This is kind of like the Federal Reserve uh, has a stable dollar and full employment mandate. And, you know, a great way, as long as you get, as long as the Federal Reserve's allowed to say uh, how we calculate employment and, and how we calculate what a stable dollar is, they're doing a real good job. Uh, this is the mandate of this position. Craft economic policy. Now remember, he served under Reagan in the budget department. I said, I asked before the break, do you, any of you know why Larry, he resigned. He left the Reagan White House. Do you know why he left it? Because I haven't heard him ever actually say it. I hear him brag about being in the Reagan White House. And like I said, he wasn't even a director then. He was just one of the, you know, underlings. But he left the Reagan White House because he was upset at how much the Reagan budgets and tax cuts were adding to the deficit. And I just laughed now because apparently now it's fine. Ah, so what? You know what? I cared about it when Reagan was running, but now I don't anymore. And and then he went to Bear Stearns, just so you know. So that that well, that was, I guess, his qualifier. Uh, is he was in he was at Bear Stearns from when he left the Reagan White House into the early '90s, and then he he's been a, a TV commentator for the last 20 years. So I I, I don't. I don't buy that he's actually qualified to craft economic policy uh, because he spent, you know, 10 years at Bear Stearns 30 years ago. Both domestic and international issues, as far as crafting economic policy, advise the president on economic matters. Okay, remember, guy's been a TV commentator for 20 years. Ensure that all policy and programs are consistent with the president's economic goals, uh, which is probably why Cohen left, because he was more about Wall Street than he was about the American people. Oversee the implementation of the president's economic agenda. That's the job. And Larry Kudlow took over today. And and when we look at his track record, 
him and Gary Cohen believe the exact same thing. Larry Kudlow is a massive free trader. Now, I hear them say, well, you know, Donald Trump wants the other opinion in, in, the, in the room. And so that's why it's okay that he's a huge free trader. Okay, that's fine. Fine. There's lots of free traders out there. I'm sure we could have found somebody a lot more qualified is my only point. But anyway, free trade, tax cuts, and a strong dollar. That's what Gary Cohen was about. That's exactly what Larry Kudlow, he's the guy that created the the king dollar and strong dollar. You heard about it when he, when he was really prevalent uh, in, the, in the 90s into the 2000s. That's all he used to say. But some of the things that get, or that Larry Kudlow and everyone is trying to say how great of an appointment this is, I'll bring you back in time a little bit. He left the Reagan White House because he was unhappy that Reagan was jacking up the deficit with his tax cuts. In 2007, when the housing market and the stock market were collapsing. He actually wrote an article in the National Review. And it goes like this. Despite all the doom and gloom from the economic pessimist. <laughs> By the way, he is, I will say this, he is a very optimistic person. He is. Right? He, there's rose-colored glasses to the teeth. The resilient U.S. economy continues moving ahead quarter after quarter, year after year, defying dire forecasts and delivering positive growth. Of course, in 2008, the entire economy collapsed, had to be bailed out by the taxpayers, and in 08, he, he said this, and he wrote this in an op-ed. We are about to enter the seventh consecutive year of the Bush boom. I mean, just saying. Anyone who thinks otherwise are going to wind up with egg on their faces. That was Larry Kudlow in 2007 and 2008. This morning, well, maybe it was yesterday. He said, and he did this on, you know, he, he was on CNBC. And this, and I'm going to directly quote him again. The United States could lead a coalition of large trading partners and allies against China. That would show Beijing that Washington means business. And I'm thinking to myself, why do we need, we're the United States, we don't need allies. We don't need the help of the Canadians and the Mexicans and the French to handle our business. But nonetheless, this is what he said on TV yesterday. And the only reason why I bring it up is because we actually tried to form this coalition. That coalition was called the TPP. <laughs> that was exactly what it was called. Matter of fact, that was exactly what it was created for. 
course, that is something very wisely Donald Trump said no thanks to. And, and the realities are very simple. I think, I think he's a poor choice. I'll continue to think he's a poor choice. Uh, whether or not he's a nice guy is irrelevant. And there's, without a shadow of a doubt, he is not qualified to do the job. Uh, and I, you know, it's great that you worked in the White, the Reagan White House in the Budget Department 40 years ago. I think it's better that you resigned over deficit. Uh, you did work at Bear Stearns, which is out of business now. Now it wasn't on Larry's watch, just to say that. I'm sure he did a real good job there. Uh, but he hasn't worked at Bear Stearns in almost 30 years. But nonetheless, that's the guy. So, uh Say what you like. We've got a big, a new, another free trader in the Trump White House. I don't think it matters. Right? Trump's going to do what he wants to do. Uh, but his first day on the job, the first thing he said was, "Let's get back in the TPP." He didn't say it that way, did he? But that's what he said. Patriot Radio News Hour. Enough about him. We'll talk about some other things when we get back. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Everyone has heard Barack Obama's now infamous promise to fundamentally transform the United States of America. In the May 2010 Phyllis Schlafly Report, Phyllis laid out the case for just how the Obama presidency transformed us into a two-class society. Phyllis labeled these two classes as those who paid money to the government and those who took money from the government. Phyllis warned taxpayers that their money was being used as a tool to benefit the Democrat political machine. Now with President Trump, we must work hard to repeal those measures that served as Democrat payoffs. In 2009, 47% of American households paid absolutely no federal income taxes. That number is staggering when you consider that all of those people receive basic government services. They're even more staggering when you consider more than 40% of American households got money back from the government in 2016 in addition to paying no income taxes to begin with. Not only is this outrageous, it also reveals a sinister design. A system where half of the nation pays no income tax really does create a two-class system, the haves and the have-nots. President Obama and the Democrats pitted these two classes against each other, of course wanting voters to believe Republicans are the haves. In 2012 and 2016, Democrats exploited the wealth of the Republican presidential candidates as a way to disconnect them from the little people that Democrats, of course, claim to champion by handing out welfare benefits and tax refunds. We need to debate the substance of the issues, not who can give away the most free stuff. Of course there is a place in society for helping the poor. However, there can be no doubt that the current two-class system is not healthy for our society. If we are to have real economic progress in America, we cannot let Democrats continue promising away the federal budget as a means to drum up votes. We must remind those in Washington that our tax dollars shall not be used to buy the votes of others. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. For the U.S. economy to flourish, free enterprise needs to be rewarded. 
Competition and capitalism need to be encouraged. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll find alerts and strategies for strengthening our economy and standing against socialism. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Patriot Radio News Hour. Our toll-free number, 800-951-0592. There was a really uh, good article, and I didn't get to it. It was on our website either Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, talking about uh, the gold and silver ratio. Something I talk a lot about that lately because it's, it's, it's totally extraordinary. Uh, you, when you think about uh, the gold to silver ratio, uh, you're, you're talking about how many ounces of silver for one ounce of gold. And when I was up in up on the in the front range visiting all of our customers uh, over the weekend, a couple of them, and you know who you are, and you you corrected something that I'd been saying, which is you know. I'm a guy that that I believe 65 to 1 is fair. Uh, Anytime you get above 80, buy all the silver you can. Right now it's about 80 and a half ounces. Uh, And then I said, most people, when they quote the historic average, so if you go back and you look at a historic average of how many ounces of silver to an ounce of gold, they they, they say it's 50, 50 to 1. In other words, uh, that would mean silver today uh, with, you know, gold at $1,317 divided by 50 would be $26.34, about $10 higher than it is right now. And I always said, you know, and I believe 65 is a, a more realistic number, but think about when we decided the money should be gold and silver. At that point, they decided that the ratio should be 20 to 1. Right? A $20 gold piece and a Morgan dollar. Right? 20 Morgan dollars would be the equivalent of, of a $20 gold piece, which if you use that, I mean, silver should be 65 bucks, almost 66 But, you know, and, and I appreciate it because you're right. You know, think about it. For almost uh, 150 years, give or take, the ratio for silver to gold, it was 20 to 1. 20 ounces of silver for one ounce of gold. And, and and then you go back, and then you got to remember we we took uh, the the gold. By the way, you, did you know we passed the eighty was it the the eighty fifth anniversary of the uh, confiscation of the gold and silver just passed. Last, I think it was last week. Yeah, I think was, I'm pretty sure it was last week was the eighty fifth anniversary of of the banking holiday where they shut all the banks and when they reopened they reopened and everybody had to turn their gold in 
So think about in 1933. Your bank is closed. You don't know uh, what's happening. You had, if you had money in the bank, or if you had money at your home, right? More than likely, you had it, you know, in gold. Any money that you deposited into the bank in gold now got replaced with paper, right? Got replaced with the Federal Reserve note. Any gold that you had at home or in your pocket when the bank opened, you had to turn it in. And and I think about today, a lot of people are like, I'm going to keep my gold if they try to confiscate it again. And I always say, no, you won't. Because when they confiscate it again, and I do believe that there is a good chance that that will happen, and we'll get to that uh, in a little bit. It's going to be bad out there. And it's going to be the solution, right, to the problem. In 1933, people were a lot more patriotic then. And and I told the story when my grandmother was passing. And she she knew that, you know, she knew I did this for a living, but she talked about be growing up in the Great Depression. And she talked about how it was the duty and a privilege to do it because America was in trouble, right? And the nation was so much more patriotic then. And we, I would love to go back to that time. Wouldn't you love to go back when we looked out for, for us first uh, before we tried to help anybody else? But anyway, that's how they felt back then. I don't think they'll feel that way the next time around. But nonetheless, you turned it in. And they deputized all the bank managers and employees for uh, as IRS agents. And you had to open up all your, if you had a safety deposit box, right, you had to open it up in their presence. Right? You weren't allowed to do it privately. And, and if you had any gold in there, they took it. Now, of course, they handed you back the paper money. And then from 1933 to 1971, it was illegal to own gold in the United States. You couldn't do it. You couldn't call Patriot Trading Group and order a $20 gold piece or a $10 piece or a $5 piece. You couldn't order a gold eagle. Well, they didn't have a gold eagle at that time. But you couldn't order a Krugerrand or a Maple Leaf. You weren't allowed to own it. And then when they closed the gold window on the foreigners, remember we, we played that clip, we played it, what, last week? You know, Richard Nixon closing the gold window, uh, and really not for the reasons that you would be led to believe, uh, because more and more countries didn't want to hold the dollar anymore, and they'd rather have their gold back. At that point, you could own gold again. And they started trading gold on Wall Street, and the price was from 35 was now 42. Then it went to, uh, you know, 40 from 42 to 100, eventually to 800. You know, and the, the the whole story then. In 1985, they wrote the Gold Eagle Act, and they the United States started to mint gold and silver coins. 
1986. And then uh, at that point in time, you were allowed to buy one-ounce American gold eagles and one-ounce American silver eagles. And when we look at the ratio, a lot of people start the ratio from 1971. So long story short, that's where the 50 to 1, most people don't go all the way back to the first 150 years or so of this country when the ratio was 20 to 1. But we're going to talk about where we think the ratio is headed when we return. Welcome back. Patriot Radio News Hour, 800-951-0592. Talking about the gold and silver ratio. And there's some really good trends in these ratios. Usually, when the ratios hit a a trough, you know, where we get down to these historically large divide between gold and silver that usually signals the bottom. If you go back and just in the modern era here, just in the last 10 years, you look at the tops and the bottoms of the market in regards to the gold and silver ratio. 2011. I remember 2011. I mean, gold hit for a, a minute there. It hit $1,900. Silver, right, just right, got right to 50, which put the ratio at 38. And of course, we know that signaled the top of the market. Then you go to the bottom. So you go back three years ago, right? Gold uh, was a thousand fifty an ounce. Silver was thirteen dollars and eighty-five cents. That put the ratio at like seventy-six, which historically was extremely high. Which what makes today an even better opportunity? We'll get to that in a second. The lowest ratios we've seen and the highest ratios we've seen, the lowest we saw is right where you're, you're looking at right now, right, right, right at the top of 2011, that 38 to 1. That was about the lowest. Even when gold was 250 bucks, silver was about $4. So the ratio was still you know, about 60 the highest ratio we have ever seen. And it really had to do with the Hunt Brothers. So those of you that know the story of the Hunt Brothers, and the Hunt Brothers were, were very smart individuals, and they exploited a, I guess, a flaw in the commodity trading pit. And in the 70s, they had cornered the silver market without anybody knowing it. In other words, the Hunt brothers went out and started buying all the physical silver stocks that were available. 
and most of it was in junk stuff, right? They were buying junk bags, physically buying it all. And once they had bought it all, they went into the silver pit and said, hey, we want to buy silver. <laughs> no one... No one realizing at the time that they had already knew that they had bought it all. So there wasn't any out there to be bought. So the price went skyrocketing, right? That's how, you know, silver went up to 50 bucks the first time around. And so then they they they, they, they made it so you couldn't buy silver anymore. You only could sell it. And then the ratio, it got to uh, just over 100. That was the highest ratio ever. Then you go to the 2016, and this is when I really first started to notice the the, the numbers here. It's in 2015, or 2016, I'm sorry. So 2015, we had 1,050, 1,385 uh, was the price on silver. That was 76 ounces. That signaled the bottom. 38 to 1 signaled the top in 2011. 2016, remember gold, we hit the, uh, uh, a high of 1378 in 2016. Silver hit 21 and a quarter. And that marked another top in the market, right? And you do the math, 1378, right? Do 2125 of 64, 65 ounces. And then it's, it's uh, gold's run up again. And now we're looking at a ratio here where we've got another one where it looks like we're at the bottom again. And I think we've got a Fed meeting next week. And we know what gold does with Fed meetings. But we're sitting today, right now, of a gold to silver ratio of 80, almost 80 and a half ounces of silver to an ounce of gold. And I've looked at this chart, and this is not my research. I just want you to know uh, that Value Walk is the one that did the research, and they've got this great chart. And, and I apologize, I didn't get to it the day we had it. Uh, but if you go back into to uh, our website, it was either on the website Tuesday or Wednesday, you can see the chart that I'm looking at. And and I will tell you that we, we got to 84 for a brief few days last year. But we have been at 80 ounces or so uh, for silver, 80 ounces of silver for an ounce of gold pretty much now for about four weeks. And I've just got this feeling, I'm looking at these charts, I mean, it's really incredible how the, if you track that silver ratio, when we get into the 75 to 80 range, which, by the way, outside of the Hunt Brothers and the market cornering and all of that, there's only been a couple of times, and very briefly for a matter of days or so, that the ratio got above the, this 80 that we've been at. And that always has signified a bottom in the market. 
Are we getting ready to see another bottom in the market? And is it going to coincide with this Federal Reserve meeting next week? I think there's a good chance it does. Final segment, talking about silver, talking about the ratios. ValueWalk did some great research in both the tops and the bottoms. And really looks like we are at a bottom here in looking at the ratios. And, and, and I'm just putting pieces of the puzzle together. We know uh, on these Fed meetings, these rate hike Fed meetings, that we hit a bottom within a week uh, before to a week after the meeting. We de- we never quite know when. And now all of a sudden we're seeing the, this, the ratio, uh, the gold to silver ratio uh, flashing the bottom signal right here, coincidentally, right at the same time. I just think it's going to be a great opportunity. Uh, today we got U.S. Silver Eagles. At $385 a roll, and there's 20 Silver Eagles in a roll. That puts the price down to uh, 19 and a quarter. It's $2.85 over spot. I, I think it's just a great buying opportunity. We're very fortunate. Uh, we had some selling happen here in the last couple of days. Uh, not with our company, but with another. It was a major seller, uh, so there's plenty of stock available. The price, the premium came down. Uh, the, the silver ratio flashing a bottom. Tie that in to the central bank bottoms that we've been seeing. Right, We've been in this pattern really since 2015. For the last three years now, we've been in that pattern uh I mean, we could be right here in the sweet spot. A great time to get into the uh, silver market, $385 a roll. If you buy a case, $9,625, and we'll throw in the shipping. Ship right to you, no charge, $9,625 on a case, $385 on the roll of silver, 800 951 0592. Again, I know, and it's always the hard. That's why it's so hard to buy at the lows, isn't it? Because it's at the lows. Uh, but, but again, a very big pattern here. In 80, I mean, you think about it, you go back all the way for the last, what, 1980, 1990, 2000, 2000, I mean, for like the last 40 years. We've only been, uh, I think the highest we've been in the last 40 years, one time I think we got we got to like 84. But this is an historic high. Usually you see the bottoms in that 75, 76 range. Uh, got a little over that here today. I think it's a just another one of those fantastic opportunities. U.S. Silver Eagles, 385 bucks at 800 951 We've got a split market right now. Uh, the Dow's up 200, uh, but the NASDAQ is negative. The S&P's flat. Uh, gold's down 8. Silver's down about 12 cents at 16.40. Uh, the big news on the Dow, Boeing's having a little better day than the day that it had yesterday. Uh, so 
just kind of an interesting market. We'll see. We got to wait again. We're, none of this matters, right? The Dow doesn't matter until like the last hour. Right. Apparently, in the last hour, everybody has, uh, I don't know, some clarity and everything changes. But at least for right now, for what it's worth, uh, the Dow's up 200 points. Uh, the dollar really isn't moving, uh, which kind of leads me to believe we're kind of at the bottom here. 800 951 0592, Radio News Hour.